And uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Listener says, Fran, I'm just back from a walk in the wind and rain and I'm going to have a black coffee now. Well done, Vera. Well done. Well, have something gorgeous with it. And, you know, if anybody gives out, just say Fran said that I could. Uh, Hi, Fran, I saw a documentary lately where there's a wasp called the Winter Wasp that comes out in winters, as Billy Fitzgerald. I didn't realise that, but John sent us on a photograph of the... uh, Wasps still very active around his home, and as I was saying, we're rather plagued with them at the moment because they're getting into the house for some reason or other. So, if anybody can help us uh, about that in terms of should there be wasps this time of year, or what's the story? Is it because the weather has been mild or whatever? Mm. Now, getting a pet can be absolutely fantastic, and dogs are certainly up there with the very best of them, and they're loving and they're cuddly. And uh, but part of the ownership dream is that you have this little pal who is your very best friend and your very best mate. But what happens if your little four-legged friend is best pals with somebody else, even though you own the dog in question? Well, champion dog trainer Samantha Rawson is a canine behaviour and uh, training expert based in Mullinahone. And Samantha joins me now. Good morning, Samantha. I see. Do we have Samantha? We do. Good morning, Samantha. Okay. We don't have her. Let's see if we can uh, get her back there and see uh, what happens where that is concerned. Do you want to share some stories with me about your four-legged friend that you might have thought was your dog and was special to you? And then what happens? Only that uh, somebody else comes along and they pat them a bit more. They Maybe they give them treats secretly and they become the dog's best friend and you're sort of devastated over it. Will you talk to me about that? Have you had that experience. I listen around to say, uh, Fran, what, what did they blame for the ice ca- the ice age melting when they had no industries or farmers and uh, everything's uh, happening faster at the moment with everything we use? Can they explain that? It says, well, they, they can seemingly, but I can't explain it to you. But, you know, we've had scientists on over the last while that can certainly... Um, Uh, explain that. Somebody else says, Fran, it's not a case of disagreeing with the priest. They're denying the word of God. The Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall endure forever. Thank you for that. 083-311-3311. Samantha's with me. Good morning, Samantha. Good morning, Fran. Can you hear me now? I can hear you perfectly. And Thank you so much for coming on with us. That notion that, you know, our beautiful little doggy, um, when we bring him home, he loves somebody else and we're devastated over Samantha. Does that happen to begin with? It it can happen, but I suppose um, that's a bit of a reflection on us if if we're jealous of the dog's relationship with somebody else. (laughs) I suppose, (laughs) I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I think I think there's probably more going on there, but anyway, back to the dogs. Yes. Um, the, the way to kind of you know get a dog to like you or to want to be with you is to do something that it enjoys doing. So if a dog loves to play ball, then maybe you would play ball. Um, but the other really key thing is that that if it's really an issue in the household and and it is actually causing a little bit of upset. Mm. Then what I would say is, listen, when I'm here, can you just ignore the dog? So he doesn't talk to you. He can only talk to me. So I will be the the main person that will give him everything he wants. Because if a dog is, is, you know, has a couple of people to go to, well, then the dog will choose, okay, well, I prefer you for whatever reason. Um, And that might cause a little bit of jealousy among siblings or you know, partners or whatever. Yeah, because so, they're they're smart, Samantha. I mean, they they pl- they play us, don't they? They absolutely play us, Brian. Yeah. yeah, I mean, dogs are fantastic, and they will always know 
who will give them what they want. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're, they're very clever that way. So if you want your dog to kind of love you more, then you need to do more for it, that you need to be, the, you know, the, the pleasure palace for that dog. So you throw a ball, you give it food, you give it something nice. I mean, you know all those lovely scenes in, in movies and TV shows where the dog is interacting with the actors? Mm. Well, obviously those actors have a bit of liver on them or they have a bit of chicken in their pocket. Do you know what I mean? You're spoiling so, everything now. You're spoiling it all, Samantha. <laughs> so it's not that difficult to win a dog around. But on the, I suppose on the other side of it is that if a dog really isn't interested... Don't take it personally. Dogs will choose who their friends are. Mm. You can you can work to ingratiate them, and you can work to make yourself positively associated with them. But you know, if they if they don't really want to hang out with you, well, then maybe just accept it. And because is it like a relationship between people? I mean, you just can't you know guarantee who's going to love you. Absolutely, and the yeah. more you kind of try, yeah. the, the yeah. you put the you put the animal off. So sometimes people who try to har- too hard to be a friend with the dog, the dog will just go, oh, please leave me alone. Dogs are much more curious about people who ignore them because they're so not used to being ignored that by actually being ignored, you stand out from the crowd. Isn't, that, isn't that very interesting indeed? Yeah, we we had a we had a cocker spaniel and he passed away, but we were absolutely mad about him. But I noticed in the evenings when we'd sit down to watch TV, um, he'd spend X amount of time with me and X amount of time with the others, and he he right. was playing everybody. You know, he yeah. he knew everybody wanted to have him sit on their knee, but he he sort of spread himself around a little bit. So they're very very bright, very intelligent. They're, they're, they're very bright, and and really at the end of the day, they will choose who they want to have a relationship with relationship with and you can't force yourself on a dog if you force yourself on a dog i suppose at worst the dog will ignore you and and despise you and and then if it's really bad the dog will bite you so yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah absolutely um, let the dog come to you but play and and you know providing something nice and positive is the way to win a dog around but i would also say from a safety point of view in all seriousness keep your hands to yourself don't put your hand out over a dog you don't know or a dog that really doesn't want to be touched, you know, just let them come to you. Um, and I would always pet a dog kind of on the rear end, kind of on their lower back rather than their head. If, that's if, that's that's a very intelligent thing to do. I, and speaking of which, is there a body language that we can look out for with a dog? Abso- yeah, absolutely. I mean, if, if, they're, if they're kind of not looking at you or if they're averting their eyes and they're not looking at you, they don't really want to know. Or if they turn their head sideways, it's a bit like people. Yeah. You know, if they turn their head sideways and, and kind of avoid eye contact, they don't really want to engage. And I suppose the really important bit from my point of view as, as a professional is you've got to respect that. People who don't respect dogs' wishes are the people who get bitten. So, so it's about kind of looking where the dog's head is focused, where the dog's ears are, where his tail is. Um, and sometimes dogs that don't have tails or don't have you know, very good body language, like an English bulldog or any of those kind of breeds, they can be very hard to read. So it's really important that you let the dog come to you because sometimes if you can't read a dog and you approach it, you might make matters worse. So it's really important to get the dog, to let the dog come to you and never approach it and certainly never approach a dog if he's lying down on somebody's lap. So if a dog is lying beside somebody on a sofa, do not approach it. So, yeah, a, a, a great friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, he had two lovely, docile, beautiful dogs that were farm dogs. Yeah. And they happened to get into a row with each other. He put his leg in to, yeah. to separate them, even though he had a relationship with these dogs all his life. Yeah. And they bit him and bit him <clears throat> very badly. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Because he got involved. That's a bit like getting involved in a, in a couple's row. 
Do you know what I mean? Yeah, of would, course. Would, yeah. you, would you get involved if there was a couple rambling around in front no. of you? No, no, <laughs> you know? no. So, so unfortunately, he probably wanted to break that fight up, but he got stuck in the middle. So, you know, and again, if you walk away, dogs will tend to stop fighting. Sometimes dogs can fight over the owner. Um, so, so that can be an important point as well in a family dynamic, that owners can accidentally cause a row between multiple dogs in a household because they're giving one dog attention in front of the other dog. So if there's multiple dogs in a household, you kind of ignore everybody. It's incredible. Can I finally ask you, and it was again, it was an issue we had with the dog, but the dog thought he was playing, but he was biting and he was actually hurting, even though he thought he was playing. Um, where, yeah. does, where does that come from and can you change that behaviour? Um, well, it comes from puppyhood, that puppies will, you know, deliberately bite each other and play and then the other puppy will let the, let the other pup know you hurt me. But if, if a dog accidentally hurts a human in play, the best thing to do is to get up and walk away. So you get up and walk out of the room. You don't say anything. You don't give out to the dog. You don't do anything. You just get up and disengage. So the dog, over repeated exposures, will go, oh, I seem to have upset my owner because, I've done, you know, I've hurt them. So if you say nothing and you immediately just stop playing, the dog will eventually learn to, you know, inhibit its teeth. Sometimes people will say, oh, if you give a scream or if you say, ow, with some dogs that actually hypes them up. So I think that the quickest way for all dogs across the board is just to get up and walk away and show your disapproval by saying, no, I don't engage anymore. Very interesting indeed. Samantha, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you and good morning to you. That's Samantha Rawson there, who's a canine behaviour and training expert. And Samantha's based in Mulnahone. Now it's time for Travel Tales with Fergal. And Fergal O'Keefe joins me in the studio. Good morning to you, Fergal. How's it going? I'm I'm listening to all the people talking about the walking in the rain. and I'm one of those as well, I have to say. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. I prefer walking in the winter than in the summertime, actually. As in, like, you know, it's cooler and temperature-wise, and I just well, love it. It does seem that there's a kind of sense of adventure about it as well. Yeah, you know, and actually, my, my son was away for two weeks in Belgium, transition year, and I picked him up at the airport last night, and we're walking in, and he says, gosh, the air, the air um, tastes different in Ireland, you know? Yeah, <laughs> That was the first yeah. thing he noticed. And, uh, yeah, there is something special about Isn't the there? You yeah. know, fresh air in Ireland, really, in winter particularly. Well, speaking of which, uh, Monster Vales you're going to talk to us about uh, uh, today. I mean, we are we are blessed with it, aren't we? we oh, gosh, we really yeah. are. I mean, we're, we're surrounded by some of the most world-class scenery, some of the best in the world. We're surrounded by the mountains and historical sites. Mm. And, you know, it's funny when you're... When you're surrounded by these things, sometimes you nearly don't appreciate them. Of course, yeah. And recently there was an article, I don't know if you saw it, in the Guardian newspaper a couple of weeks ago. It was about the Shura Blue Way. And it was an amazing article, the the journalist. So positive, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I actually brought her on the Blue Way. So it was a cycle. I brought her on the cycle from Carrick to Clonmel. And it's only when you're sort of, you know, you find that when you're bringing guests to your local area, you're kind of so proud of it. Mm. But when I was, you know, every day, I've said it here before, I walk every day bar when it's, actually, I was just thinking the other day, I might get a pair of Wellingtons because <laughs> it isn't actually that deep, the water and the blue way. You know, right. you, can, you can, they're only in patches. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's my yeah, new yeah, project, get a proper pair of Wellingtons. Absolutely, yeah. But I was bringing her on along the blue way from Carrick to here and like, it just, there's so much there between the, the mountains like you're going past and she wrote about it like a, you know you have Sleeve Naman on one side and the Shure 
the, the Cumbers on the other side, you know, and then the historical sites and, and it's so full of God, history just, all the way. Just amazing. Can you just define the Munster Vales for yeah, me in terms sure of where? There's, where there's loads of people here that are probably listening that, you know, they're going, where, where exactly yeah, is that? Yeah. So the Munster Vales, that, that was a, a tourism marketing initiative set up. Again, something I've talked about before, mm. saying the mountains here, they're all in different counties and different areas. So it was great to see. It, the reason why I, I'm talking about it now, I suppose, is I've, I've a podcast coming out tomorrow. <clears throat> Travel Tales with Fergal with uh, Trino Mahoney from Munster Vales talking all because it's their fifth anniversary uh, in October was mm. their fifth anniversary. So the Munster Vales it actually takes in four counties Tipperary, Waterford, Limerick and Cork. So it's a huge area and it's five mountain ranges. So it's like the, the you know the, the Galtee Mountains the Knockmeal Downs the Nagels um, the Cumras mm. Um, and Ballyhuras, so it's it's sort of the five mountain. That's sort of the centre of the place, you know. Mm. And, and I, I just was writing an article there now that will go into the Nationalist on Wednesday, and I was just saying like my favourite drive in Ireland really is like from here over the V to Lismore. Oh, gorgeous, isn't and it? particularly on you know often my kids play like loads of GA matches, so often I'm going over there for that direction for on a summer's evening. And like, you know, it really is the golden veil there, isn't it? And the sun so shining in yeah. the west and the, the mountains. Like every time I'm there, particularly something I've always noticed, like the GA pitches around this area, they all seem to be the most scenic spots. Mm. And I'm mm. always standing there watching matches, but also particularly around there, around the V area, like St. Clahine or Knock Me Down Gales play there or wherever. And you're just watching them go in the most beautiful, oh, stunning it's just, places. Just gorgeous. Yeah, on so Saturday, that, in fact, I was driving up around uh, Newcastle up towards, uh, there's a place called Dune outside of Newcastle. Because absolutely stunning. It really and nobody is. there. Exactly. <laughs> and I'd recommend to anyone like the Munster Vales website is MunsterVales.com and they have like you know great sections about itineraries just if you're bringing people to this area or even mm. ourselves kind of daily like one to five day itineraries but a great section they have is for walking. So yeah. there's like 11 like 1,100 kilometres of walking trails uh, within wow. this region and if you go in there each of the four mountain or the five mountain ranges you can go into the areas it breaks it down by each mountain range, the walks that are on each mountain range, from, from uh, as Trina said, like from literally from the beginner you know, there's like 1k loop walks to like the the very famous St. Declan's Way five day walk now, mm. and you know, like there's the East Munster Way and loads of those much longer walks as well, yes. but there is so much from a walk, walking point of view, I heard you earlier on saying you're you're not, you're a couch potato but, yes. but these will get you out, like these, this... if you check this website, you know there's so yes. many walks there, and like St. Declan's Way, I mean, like this time last year it's I was on the yeah. Camino and there, I mean, loads of people were asking me about it, like there was a Spanish guide who said like one of his ambitions was like to go on the Camino he's, he's, or he's done the Camino but he wanted as he called it the Irish Camino mm. to go and say Declan's Way from like the Rock of Cashel to Ardmore yeah, so there's so and but, obviously the Shore yeah. Blue Way and, and also as part of Unser Vales the, the Waterford Greenway is actually part of that and actually in the article uh, Yvonne writes about that she's saying that you know the, there is plans to connect the Shore Blue Way up with the water. Wouldn't that be terrific? Wouldn't that be, and also yeah. now there, there's work going on, they're calling it the Southeast Greenway, which is, I think it's from um, Waterford up to New Ross. So eventually you'll be able to walk, like say, New Ross to Waterford, to Clonmel, and then on to Care. 
you know so well, wouldn't it be great and is it most monstervales.com if people want monstervales. to monstervales.com yeah. is the website actually very good rural tourism development uh... yeah and you know they recently had monstervales to celebrate their fifth anniversary they had a, a conference there about two weeks ago in uh, the Cashel Palace which is another massive addition to the Absolutely. area yeah. I just saw the other day actually um, the Michelin Guide were tweeting you know a dessert from the which is a good sign, I would say, from the Cashel Palace. And so is it possible they'll get a star? I think so. There's talk. Well, that's a good sign. And right. I, I think there's talk of it, which would be amazing for this area because actually as Trina was saying about the Cashel Palace, and I've noticed myself, mm. you know, it, it's it's put this area, the whole area, mm. like Tipperary, Munster Vales, on international tourist map because that hotel oh, now yeah. has got international press. And I, I suppose that's why they picked it probably for their, their, their fifth anniversary thing. But they're the bit, one of, of the big things they were talking about <laughs> about and it's something that we've talked about before is sustainability in tourism and and what Munster Vales mean by that by sustainability is as well you know from the environmental point of view is from a job point mm, of view mm. and that's the, the great potential this area is for year round to move it from you know seasonal, seasonal work yeah. to year round work wouldn't and that's that be great yeah and, yeah. I, and there, there's huge potential and even something as part of this initiative, they, they rebranded Munster Vales with a new logo, but a, a great thing that they've done on the website, great thing to check, they call it the Trails of the Vales, and it's combining sort of the heritage site, the walking sites, but also there's loads of like uh, great for food and also there's great places for, um, you know, like for arts and crafts and things like that in this area, you know, like even in Clamel, mm-hmm. like the narrow space where they support Beautiful, local businesses. Yeah. But there's loads, like one particular one that I really like is in Fermoy. They call it um, the Blackwater Craft Centre. Mm. And there's like 16 crafts people from around that area like painters potters etc and they share the running of the place so they like have a rota so if you go in there you actually meet the artists or the potter and they 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 man it yeah, yeah, amazing thing. And it's all arts and crafts around that area. And Care have got a craft centre oh, as well. it's a beautiful one in Care, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. from all over this area. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing, actually, about the, the Munster Vales. You know, we're talking about this beautiful area around here, but it goes all the way to Loch Gur, which yes. is an amazing place. I mean, recently, uh, the Apple Fest, Moncon McGann was at. I was at him at that. And he's an amazing character. I've had him on the podcast before. Mm. And he, he's got a brand new book out now about sort of folklore. And he was talking about Loch Gur and the, the history mm. goes back 6,000 years. Like. And not a lot of people know about yeah, Loch Gur. Exactly. It's near Carrick and Leash there, isn't it? Yeah, there, and I, I was talking to Trina. She's actually yeah. from around that area. Yeah. And there's a, there's there's um, kind of, you know, like an Irish version of Stonehenge. There's mm. old megalithic mm. tombs there. Like so continuously, it's one of the few places think they're saying there's continuous human activity back 6,000 wow. years to that area. And there's lots of folklore, which Moncon talks about in his book about that black girl, like fairy stories and witches and things like that. But it's a real mad, there's a place called the Black Fort there as well. And yes. They have a visitor centre. So that's, you know, ama- there's amazing stuff. And then around course, there yeah. as well, Ballyhura. And easy access for people in West Tipperary to, to it, exactly, Gour, of course, exactly. and all of that as well. Mountain biking, uh, yeah. is, is that taking off? It's absolutely time, massive, it? massive. It, it's it's a huge, really taken up. And the interesting thing about my, things like mountain biking is that the last time there was a recession in Ireland, it took off even more because people started using bikes and they mm, started, mm. You, know, it, it, you know, once you have the bike, you know, it's free, you're up in the mountains. Yeah. So you, like recently, I'd say about two weeks ago, the Nair drop was on 
which is a, you know it's out there by Bally McCarberry so lots of people are now you, you see people, loads of cycling around this area is massive on the roads but it's really getting big now in the mountains and Ballyhura have bike trails there again from literally from the beginner to experience like I don't know how many like many many mm. kilometres I was going trails. to ask you that you don't have to be some sort of an evil Knievel do you not to, at all it's yeah. all standards and it's brilliant it's, it's like nearly a bike version of like a ski resort where you can you know there's trails and mm. you can you can go up you can be brought up to the top of runs and cycle down and you know amazing facilities and there's um, even there's there's huts and stuff there that people if they wanted to stay but amazing facilities and I'd say throughout the mountains around this region that's something I could see really growing because internationally that's massive I have a friend who was recently in uh, Léger and like the, the the ski lifts, this was in the middle of the summer, and the ski lifts, like those queues, the queues were bigger for the mountain biking than they are even for the skiing. So it's a, it's a wow. in in the Alps, it's a massive thing tourism wise. So they have tourism all year round. Right, uh, with the way climate change is going and the loss of their snow. It yeah, might, true. Actually, it, good it, point. It, it might be one they'll be looking for. Um, lots of heritage sites as well, um, other than places like Lagor. But I mean, we have Castle, we have all the usual places. Yeah. But, you know, and you talk about Lismore as well. Yeah, and Lismore is amazing actually, you know, like, as I said, it's my favourite drive, driving down into Lismore and the castle and the great farmer's market there, and even going through the gardens I mean, during, you know, like say, usually they open up, they do they do uh, Devonshire Tea Day, you know, usually around the March, April time when the gardens are to open up again, that's a great thing. I've never been I must must do do that. that. I'm not familiar with Curragmore House at all. Yeah, so Curragmore, that's, you know, there's a, a, it's sort of a new equivalent of Electric Picnic. Uh, it's all together now, it's called, it's a music festival. Okay. And that's on there. But th- th- they're amazing grounds that were left to the state. I think there's two and a half thousand kilometres of gardens and wow. they have wall gardens. And, and plant- that's in Waterford, is it? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so if you're going down towards... Um, Dungarvan area around there or more towards Tremor you know the back roads to Tremor mm. but that's an amazing building with gardens there like I say like and, and they open up to the public like at certain time you know during the summer or whatever so I'd really rec- and a gorgeous old house as well that you can see the outside and stuff And you were talking so, about uh, Donorail Court now there's a place I pass by all of the time but I'd never even Yeah and, and the state owns up. that yeah. as well Donorail House that's been done up at the moment so yeah. people will be able to visit to, like a couple of floors of, of the place but that is, you know, that's again, and there's gardens there as well, which is lovely, you know. That's a so, great job. Travel Tales, what are podcasts and all of yeah, that, Fergal? So that's coming out tomorrow, Travel Tales, and it's, it's basically on all all podcasting platforms, Travel, if you just look up Travel Tales with Fergal, and tomorrow, it's very personal ones I'm interviewing Trino Manny who is the marketing officer with um, Munster Vale so we talk all about the area around here and actually you know every guest I always ask their happy place like Mm. and she picked uh, Kerry's Castle you know she she did actually which was lovely you know so um, so that's really interesting for people like you know to have a listen like that so that comes out tomorrow on all podcasting platforms very good yeah I was only up there once and I was just blown away by it it's so unusual you see loads of cyclists as well around that area. Absolutely, well. yeah. Hey, can I finally ask you because we were discussing it this morning? But COP twenty seven is is underway. There's a lot of concern about there about what's happening with uh, climate change. As somebody who's an avid traveller and a, somebody who appreciates the natural world, are you concerned about this? Well, I mean, you can see it now with the, I mean, last week and and this week with the rain. You know, like so, like Europe. You know, we're getting the rain because Europe is so hot. Mm. 
I mean, actually, yeah. as I said, I was picked up my son yesterday and he was saying he was wearing shorts up in, in Belgium for, for like the last two weeks because it was so warm. And I'm actually, this week I'm going, I'll talk about it next time I'm on, I'm going down to Andalusia, to Grenada mm-hmm. and uh, looking at the weather and it's like 25 to 30 degrees. Now? Yeah. Wow. Which is nuts, and and we're and because of that hot weather, we're getting the rain here. So yeah, you have to be concerned with it. You know, like we say about global warming. But if if Ireland becomes rain all the time, then that's going to really seriously affect us in all ways, like economically, but say from a tourism perspective, massively. So yeah, we really do have to be. Um, aware of it don't we and and mm. and push but yeah. I, you know i've said it before i do think it has to come personally i think it has to come from the government you know we w- if we individually do things which we should that's not going to make any difference mm. it's mm. drastic measures that are now needed because yes. i was just reading some articles in the last few days saying that europe is maybe three times worse than ever the rest than of anywhere else in the world so you know they yeah. keep saying you know if it goes up by 1.5 oh, degrees yeah. but they're saying we're at that now we're at that now so, practically you know. at that now so it's, it's scary indeed Fergal it's always good to talk to you thanks very much indeed that's it for me Emma produced Ali looks after our content Stephen is on the way and I will talk to you tomorrow bye bye Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie